We live in a culture that is intrigued with the idea of supernatural activity. Meanwhile, most of what many know about the spiritual and the supernatural, they've learned from TV and the big screen. Hollywood's interest in angels, demons, and the afterlife has dramatized spiritual warfare so much so that it's hard to know what's real and what's not. Not only is our culture intrigued by odd supernatural inquiry, but there's also been a rising interest in issues of social and global justice. As many people in our culture have begun to ask the difficult questions about global oppression and systematic evil, is there something more than the oversimplified answers we were given in our youth? What if both of the above cultural questions, those of demonic forces and also of systemic injustice, could be discussed simultaneously through the lens of the Bible? If you think spiritual warfare is irrelevant to you, you may already be losing the battle. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will chop it up on the challenging subject of spiritual warfare, how to fight, how to set free, and what you may have discounted that is the key to it all. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and a real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome to another episode of Keep It 100. Hey, what's going on, everybody? We're coming at you live from our home studios in sunny, hot NorCal. I'm your boy, Sean Smith. Hey, everybody. I'm Krista. We're so excited to be with you. This is going to be such an incredible episode. Hey, we've had just some incredible times. This is the last time we joined you guys on the podcast. Why don't you tell them, Krista, some of this stuff? Kind of fun. I'm from Oregon. Many of you know that. And so Sean and I went and we had a little like mini family reunion with my family, which was so fun. We haven't all been together for a minute. So it was awesome just to have some time together. And my oldest sister lives in the Midwest. And so we were able just to get some really good time. And we took Sean to Wildlife Safari, which is a wildlife preserve. And it was hilarious and so fun. It was like for me the highlight of the trip watching Sean have a buffalo like three feet from him and him taking videos of it, it was hysterical it was funny too because like these little deer I think they were deer I don't <laughs> yeah, know they, they probably weren't they were coming up to car asking for food I think I even put this out on social media I didn't have any food I didn't buy any food to give them I'm like hey man times is rough dude you have to go to the next car and panhandle but it was really awesome there were hippos yes I saw a cheetah up front yeah we it was saw really a cool. lion zebras so many zebras and I love zebras we elephants uh, rhinos. Um, yeah, there was just a ton. There were flamingos. There was, it was great. It was I contrasted it to growing up uh, in the hood, y'all. Our little uh, ghetto zoo. We had raccoons in our zoo. So <laughs> this 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 wild animal. This was a step above, man. It was it was it was different. Some things is just different. It was awesome, you know. And last week we had the privilege of being with the Global Awakening Team in OKC at this incredible convention center. There was over two thousand people that gathered, and we had such an amazing lineup of speakers. Sean and I were just so honored to be alongside some of these incredible people. Will Hart, Andy Bird, of course, Randy Clark, the the legend, Randy Clark. He's just awesome. And so many more. We just saw God move in such a powerful way. As Sean, you know, during one of Sean's sessions, there was a real deliverance that took place. And it was just really beautiful as we're just seeing an increase of the power of God. And we're seeing a place in the church, which is amazing, that the enemy cannot stay. And so in a beautiful way, there's like forced deliverance. And what I mean by that statement is there's enough power. There's so much power that's happening in services right now that the demonic cannot stay silent any longer. Yeah, we're really seeing an increase of the activity of both God and the enemy. And you could just sense the warfare around the body of Christ. I mean, we've seen great healings, which is supernaturally divine, of course. And when mm-hmm. we've seen great hits, which is demonically right. inspired, 
But all of it is just saying something just so profound. I think it was Jonathan Edwards. It says, when revival hits the church, so too will there be a revival of the backlash of the enemy. And he's so right. So I think it all points in terms of the spiritual weather indicators that there is a spiritual hurricane it's hitting this this nation and the nations of the world for that matter it's so true you know i think you brought up a great point baby and that is we're seeing god move in such incredible ways and then at the same time we're seeing some hits demonic hits like we've never seen before uh we know we've experienced some really intense warfare as of late and we know many other people that are going after the kingdom of god that are going after jesus there's a simultaneous amazing breakthroughs that we're seeing in healings and divine appointments and just provision and the faithfulness of God. And then boy, are we seeing some hits on the other end. So we're just in interesting times. There's there's this kind of mixed pot, so to speak, that's happening right now for so many of us. Yeah, it is true. You know, you just talk to people that are facing just different tough situations, people that are going through uh, mental challenges, uh, relational conflicts. And that leads us to our, our topic today. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and this whole thing about help me, I'm in a battle because we talked to a lot of people. And when I started to think about it, Boo, I was thinking about there are too many Christians that lose more battles than they mm. win in their spiritual walk. And it often seems like so many believers are enduring their walk rather than enjoying their Ooh. walk. And so many people are just living at the ends of their ropes. And then I, I wonder why are we taking such a pounding? You know, the Book of Acts church was a force to be reckoned with. The enemy and even antagonistic emperors, they had to back down to the fact that the early church, they had a resolve, they had a grit, they knew how to do spiritual warfare. And I think we have to learn how to do that. We do. And we really have to learn how to hit back strategically to the point where we're not wearing ourselves out, where we're not coming from a place of anxiety. Patricia King said recently, we were at a conference with her and she said something very profound. She said that she learned as an intercessor and she's an incredible intercessor. She's an incredible prophetic voice. And she said she saw the greatest breakthrough, not when she prayed from a place of anxiety. She saw the greatest breakthrough when she prayed from a place and interceded from a place of authority and peace and rest. And I think that's one of our greatest strategies. Today, we're talking to you about spiritual warfare. We have to understand we have to be strategic about how we hit back at the enemy. And we're understanding we're getting hit on kind of every front, but to be intentional, we're doing it from a place of resting in who we are in Christ Jesus, where it's not from a place of anxiety, but it's from a place of faith. You know, Really, I think the scripture for me that is the answer to the state of the current edition of Christianity is Zechariah 12.8. It says in the New Living Translation, it says in Zechariah 12.8 again, it says, on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Israel, the weakest among them. Some translation says the most feeble among them will be as mighty as David and the royal descendants will be like God and the angel of the Lord who goes before them. You think about it, David was a legendary warrior and worshiper that took out the most formidable human gladiator of all time, Goliath, you better go lieth down. <laughs> and for millenniums, David was the high water mark. Right. Everybody was trying to be like David or want to be said that his heart was like David. Yet this passage prophetically, this minor prophet who was minor in a sense he didn't have a lot to say, but he was major in what he said carried impact. He lets us know in this passage that whereas before David was the prototype, in a last day's generation, David's going to go from the prototype to the stereotype. In other words, David is going to be the low watermark rather than the high watermark. 
God is going to raise up a generation of warriors. And I think one of the ways that we're going to get there is that we have to get this revelation of how big our God is, how little the enemy's threat really is anything to be concerned about if we know how to walk in spiritual warfare and walk in our authority and identity. So good. So well said. You know, for us to really break it down for our listeners, for you Keep It 100 Tribe, let's talk about what is the definition of spiritual warfare. For Sean and I, this is how we would describe it. What is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare is the act of fighting against Satan when he tries to keep us from God's calling. The enemy, of course, you and I know this, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So when we're pursuing Christ, the enemy tries to come and accomplish all those things to take us out. Though encountering spiritual warfare is difficult. We can, we can all agree with that. God actually can use it to bring us closer to him. And I think that's really important. I think spiritual warfare is such a grounding place in our identity in Christ. I know some of the greatest breakthroughs and revelation I've had in understanding who I am in Christ Jesus has come from places of adversity and opposition. You know, there is a real battle over our soul that takes place daily in our minds and our hearts and in our spirit. You know, the apostle Paul described it like this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You can find that in Ephesians 6, 12. So we have to really understand spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. You know, so we good. are called to be influencers. We're called to be atmosphere shifters and culture transformers. And I believe the enemy, of course, hates that and opposes us. And yet we can accomplish that which Christ has put on us if we understand our identity in him. That is so good. I love that part. The spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. Amen. And I like to break it down like this. If you really think about it, gang, God is a God of purposes and promises, purposes to redeem the world and promises to judge wickedness promises that we would walk in victory, purpose that we would portray and release the kingdom of God on planet earth, that we would set the captives free, purposes to grow his children into maturity, promises to his unfailing aspect that God would walk with us in that process, purposes to save us, glorify his name, promises about our lives. But the bottom line is Satan and his spiritual forces oppose all that. They oppose all of God's purposes for salvation, redemption, as well as every promise for accomplishing it. C.S. Lewis said in Screwtape Letters, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second are claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So good. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, super excited. We're going into our Hundo P segment where questions are asked and Krista and I give some answers. Question number one, how do I know if I'm in a spiritual battle or if it's just a bad patch? I love this question. And I think it's such an important question because I think this is one that so many people have. And the answer is this. I think that it's often a combination of those two things. I think it's both a natural element that's compounded and piggybacked by the enemy. I think there's often a couple things happening. You know, here's three things I found when I can identify what is actually a spiritual battle. You know, when I recognize that the atmosphere around me, if it feels like there's pressure or oppression, that gets my spiritual antennas up. You know, in Romans 14, 17, it says, the Apostle Paul tells us that the kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. So when you and I are lacking those, when those are nowhere to be found, if you can't find your righteousness, if you can't find your peace, you can't find your joy, you need to pay attention what happened, what's going on. Did you open up a door? Did you make a decision that didn't honor God? Or is there just spiritual warfare coming against you from the enemy and it's by of no decision or consequence of your actions, and yet you recognize there's a spiritual battle? 
You have to understand anything that brings pressure against God's purposes and plans for your life, that is revealing that you're in the midst of a spiritual battle, you know, and pressure beyond normal on important relationships. And let me break that down. You know, really when you're in an atmosphere and you can recognize there is kind of this pressure on you, you're feeling irritable, you're feeling frustrated, your patience is at its margins, your temper is short, you don't have that peace within you, you're not walking in the joy, you feel a heaviness. I think a lot of people, our listeners might be able to relate to this. You're like, I don't know, I just woke up and I just feel funky, I just feel uh, heavy, I just feel kind of depressed. You can really recognize, hey, what's going on? Why is that taking place? And you can actually take authority over that atmosphere. You can actually break every assignment of the enemy. So whenever I wake up in the morning, if I'm battling that, if I feel like there's a pressure around me, if I feel like an abnormal pressure on a relationship, like I'm just kind of disconnecting with someone that I really care about, a family member, close friend, what, whoever it may be. And they're kind of coming at, I feel like there's like a disunity between us. I'm like, what's going on? This isn't normal. Usually we get along great. Usually there's always harmony. Why are we misunderstanding each other? Why are we not connecting? Why are we not in sync? And I think simply to understand there is warfare against those covenant relationships that God's put in our life. So pay attention. Don't be casual with that. You have an authority to break off all warfare, meaning you can actually change atmospheres by declaring the word of God, who God is, breaking off all tormenting and harassing spirits in the name of Jesus. And you're exercising, you're enforcing your identity in Christ. The second thing that I found that really identifies that you're in the midst of a spiritual battle is the pattern of reoccurring negative events. Okay, quick example. When I lived in Las Vegas, there really is a territorial spirit of chaos. And not that I don't think God's bigger, but I would often hit that when I was ministering there. And when I was pastoring there, and I lived there for almost five years. And so I really saw this on a really practical level. Without fail, I used to for some time run conferences and events at a large church there. And so without fail, when we had our Holy Spirit conference, which was every summer, it was literally like everything would come against us. And often there was about three years in a row where the entire computer system would completely shut down. And I mean, your emails wouldn't be accessible. We couldn't even use our phones one year. That didn't happen every year, but one year we couldn't even use our phones. The phone system was actually shut down in our church. I mean, we had cell phones, but there's still this whole element that literally we couldn't do parts of the conference to prep for and we were only a week out and we would literally have the entire email system completely shut down all our reservations. Often they couldn't find the reservations. I had receipts and proof that I had reserved stuff. They couldn't find it. I would call companies that we had subcontracted services through. They had no record of those contracts. It was just sheer chaos. And so I began to learn that the enemy hated when we had Holy Spirit conference, hated it. And so I would pull in the intercessors and we would begin to get strategy on how to pray and break that pattern of reoccurring negative events. You know, when something's happening consistently and it's like crazy land, you know, you're in the midst of a spiritual battle. And lastly, you know, really battle of the mind. This is probably one area I've really had to learn who I am in Christ Jesus on a very personal level. I have felt like often this is how the enemy has come at me in my life. It's when I play that 
negative tape on loop. And we have to understand that our mind becomes a central battleground. Second Corinthians 10, five says where the enemy tries to sow messages that are contrary to the word of God has spoken to us or revealed in the Bible. We have to understand that the feelings such as failure, fear, condemnation, hurt, or even attack and accusation of others. That's not Jesus. Those are things the enemy's trying to throw at you, trying to cause division, trying to cause you to be unsettled, but understanding that's not who you are in Christ Jesus. When you have a repetitive torment and it feels like it's coming at you like a machine gun, anyone relate to that? I feel like I can see some hands being raised right now. You know, you're, you're hitting severe discouragement. That is the enemy. And you can take authority by saying, enemy, I know this is you. I renounce you in Jesus Christ. You have no authority over me. And you declare the word of God. You declare your weapon is the word. Your weapon is the promises of God. As you declare the word, just like Jesus did when Satan came at him in the wilderness, he was able to say, it is written. It is written. It is written. When you know the word, you declare the word. That's how you break those areas of discouragement. We have to understand that discouragement, confusion, depression, loss of vision, disorientation, withdrawal from relationships, despair leading to defeat or lack of hope. We have to understand these are all signs that we need to pay attention to when we're on the alert for spiritual warfare in our personal lives and in our ministries. You know, we really have to understand that discouragement or confusion should be like an orange flashing light, alerting us to the possibility that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle and you better get your armor on. That's that's a lot of great stuff there. You know, me answering the question or rather not, how do I know if I'm in a spiritual battle or is this a bad patch in my life? I look for certain things. One of the things that I've learned throughout my walk is just when you experience sudden changes for the worse, they're sudden and severe, like in the area of your health, finances, relationships, and Krista's kind of spoke to this a little bit, but you just, important to just, you have to note that when bad things begin to happen to us, oftentimes, if it's sudden and it's severe out of no place, it usually is rooted in something that the enemy does. Now, I do want to bring some balance. I feel like when it comes to spiritual warfare, you get people pendulum swinging because spiritual warfare is a real kind of from time to time, it will become emphasized. And I might even say sometimes there's an overemphasis of spiritual warfare, or there's a tendency to underemphasize. Like there's certain people that don't talk about the devil, don't acknowledge the devil. And I think it was C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters, it says basically that the devil does his best work in the dark, decrepit region of the unknown. He either wants you to worship him or he wants you to totally discount him. Because if you don't totally discount him, you're ignorant of the devil's schemes. And there's so many people that there's a a demon of bad breath, there's a demon of bad traffic, there's a demon behind every rock. And no, that's not the case. But there are some instances where these sudden and severe shifts are often indicative that there is spiritual warfare involved. And there are other times, it's simply our wrong choices. And you can't blame that on the devil. You can't blame it on some sort of demon. Bottom line is you have to have discipline. You need to make right decisions. I kind of also noticed, uh, how do I know if it's a spiritual battle or just a bad patch, is when there is a beyond normal temptation to sin. And I think there are many people that can relate to this, that obviously temptation, the Bible says in James 1, 13 through 15, it originates with our own weakness and ungodly desires. You you want to have, but you don't have, so you lust after things or what have you. But the enemy can also use these situations and people around us to apply extreme sudden pressure on us in these areas. And I feel like we're in a season right now where people are feeling pressured all around in the area of things that are exposed to on the internet or the crowd, all those kind of things involved in that. And I'd say 
perhaps maybe the thing that I can identify with the most is intimidation and fear. How do I know if it's a spiritual battle, if you start experiencing undue intimidation and fear? And this is especially so when fear pressures you to stop moving in the direction of God's revealed will for your life or for your family. And usually with intimidation and fear, there's confusion because the enemy thrives in confusion. It's basically his chaos attack. And every time things get hazy, confusion is often this attack on our minds. And it can become apparent when we have to make decisions or in relationships when our communication gets distorted, perverted, or misrepresented. Those are some things that I would say are things that I could see and know that I'm in a spiritual battle. Next question. What are some of the things you've learned in your battles that have helped you in spiritual warfare? You know, for me, I think understanding the importance of my thought life. And I think we have to understand that you and I's mind is like valuable real estate and the enemy's constantly trying to haggle to gain a slice of that ground. And so why is our mind so valuable? Because we have to understand that whatever's taking place in your thought life, even subconsciously, is controlling your whole life. What you meditate on, what you put your mind on, what you think about, what is that loop that is playing in your mind that ultimately is going to come out of your mouth. That's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in your decisions. So how you think is how you live. And so we have to understand also that by extension, what we think it is influencing the lives of others that we're even connected to. You and I carry an atmosphere. It's called to be the atmosphere of heaven, but sometimes some of us are not accessing the atmosphere of heaven. We're accessing, you know, the atmosphere of heaviness or hopelessness, and we can actually change atmospheres for the better, hopefully, but also for the worse. And we have to understand our thought life is so connected. When people have lost hope, they've lost vision, right? The word of God says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. People often that are in a hope deferred state have been meditating on the wrong narrative. They've been meditating on the wrong thought life, so to speak. See, Satan knows that if you wake up to who you are and whose you are, you will actually be unstoppable. Ooh, say it louder for the people Come on. in the back. It's so important. You understand the enemy goes after your mind. We wonder, why am I so attacked to my mind? It's because it's so connected to your identity. It's so connected to your influence. It's so connected to the impact that you make for the kingdom of God and just being a son and a daughter simply in your identity in Christ. So I think a lot of our listeners would ask the question, after saying your mind's so important, well, then how do I protect my mind in spiritual warfare? We have to understand right when salvation takes place in your life, that's when the war starts. Yep. And we have to recognize the enemy's goals. The goal is of the enemies to kill, steal, and destroy, to sideline you, to silence you, to get you to not see victory, to get you to not see hope over a situation. We have to understand that the battle will come in personal attacks. We can't be surprised when we get attacked, but we do have to be ready for the battle. And getting ready for the battle is understanding you and I have protection from God with our spiritual armor. Remember, you and I are an actual weapon. We are a sword of the spirit with the word of God. We have to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And when we get that concept, when we get that truth, when we get that revelation, that is when we begin to activate our authority. I always say this to people when we're talking about spiritual warfare, that it's actually opposition. It's adversity that activates your authority. It's actually the opposition and the adversity of spiritual warfare that you learn 
learn and understand who you are. So don't look at it like, oh my gosh, here we are again. No, although I get that and that's valid and I understand that. Recognize if you choose to go deeper in your walk with Jesus, that's going to be the root system that's going to hold you in the midst of the storms of life. And lastly, and I'll simply say this, you know, the word of God tells us to take every thought captive. So you want to protect your mind in spiritual warfare. Whenever the enemy is throwing thoughts of discouragement, heaviness, and maybe it's depression or whatever it may be, he's throwing things that are opposing the plans, the purpose, the thoughts, and the promises of God over your life. You're taking that thought captive and you're replacing it with truth. That's how you protect your mind is you're guarding your thought life. You know, when I think about what have I learned in spiritual warfare over the years, and man, I've been in some battles, y'all. I've been in some serious battles. I've taken some serious hits, but I've experienced some great victory. One of the things that I think you have to really begin with is you have to understand spiritual warfare is something that's thrusted upon you, whether you want it or not. It's like Krista just said, salvation or basically this whole aspect of salvation starts the war. So the moment you get saved, a war starts. Because prior to that, you're a captive. So there really isn't any war if you're in the enemy's lockdown, you're in his prison. But the moment you break free, that's when the war starts. And so whether or not you believe spiritual warfare exists, whether or not you want to be in it, it literally has no bearing on the fact that you're indeed in a battle. In The Lord of the Rings, which was awesome, as originally written by J.R. Tolkien, uh, who was a believer, uh, there is this line that goes back back and forth between Theoden and Aragorn. And Theoden says, I will not risk an open war. And then Aragorn says, open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. And man, isn't that true? You're in a spiritual battle. So you got to begin to develop a reconnaissance of what do I know about my God? And at the same time, I need to be aware of what the enemy is doing. And I think there's a, a, a balance is that I'm aware of the enemy, but I respect my God. Like I'm focused on my God. I'm aware of what the enemy is doing, but I respect and magnify my God. That's going to be so important. I learned that. And what, what the enemy usually uses is adversity. So many times the enemy will bring adversity in your life because remember, Satan and his demons have already lost the war. So any advancement they make in your life, it's because because you've given them permission. Somehow there was an open door. There's a welcome mat. There's a lack of agreement with the word. And the only power that the enemy has is the power that you grant them. So with that in consideration, recognize that the greatest weapon at Satan's disposal is to get you to give in to him and give away your God-given authority. And he uses adversity in your life. Think about how the enemy attacked Job. He brought all this adversity thinking and even the conversation between the enemy and the Lord was, hey, if, if you allow me to bring this adversity, he'll curse you. And of course, Job didn't do it. He chose to believe what God was doing in his life and that God was righteous rather than believe the scenario that Satan paints through pain, rejection, victimization. But if you begin to get hurt, and you and I, we've seen this, Krista, so many people, they get hurt. And after that, they begin to say, because of my pain, yes. I'm going to believe Satan and not the Bible. Right. So true. And because of pain, I'm going to choose to live by emotions and not by my spirit. I'm going to choose to believe if there, if there was a God, he wouldn't allow me to suffer. So all of a sudden you see where the enemy has brought adversity is changing your paradigm. And in the midst of it, it's like you begin to give Satan because of adversity of your life, you give Satan permission to tell you that I'm not really a man, even though I was born a male, or I'm not really a woman, even though I was born a female. And in that you choose to cooperate with what he tells you, 
stuff like you need alcohol, you need a drug, you need another drink, you can't cope with it, you can't sleep without it, I can't live without it. And as a result of that, you also begin to give him a keys to your life and that he begins to tell you that you're depressed, you wake up depressed, you live depressed, you go to bed depressed. You see where this is going. So the bottom line is this, and please hear this, everybody. And when pain and adversity comes in your life, choose to believe the best about God. Get in the word. Recognize it's a battle. Just because the thought comes to your head doesn't mean it's your thought or that you came up with the logic of it. The enemy is the ultimate in the old school alien movies that they could do mental telepathy, that the aliens could place their thought in your mind. That's how they communicate. The enemy is an expert in that area. So well said. You know, one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to distort the character of God. And so when we understand when we're spending time with God and we're developing a personal relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, that is where we have to understand that's where our perspective stays really clear and really insightful into who God is. You know, with that being said, I want to jump right into our key at 100 takeaways. Hey. Come on, this is one of my favorite parts of our podcast episodes because I think for the Keep It 100 tribe, these takeaways become essentials. We've gotten so much incredible feedback that these are just powerful tools and resources for people to have a walkaway point. You know, the first Keep It 100 takeaway, and we're asking the question, how do you guard yourself against demonic backlash? And it really ties into what I just said. I would say, number one, stay hidden in the secret place with God. Your absolute strongest yes. and best, best method of defense is just to abide in Jesus. What does abiding look like? Spending time in the word, praying, worshiping, dialoguing with God, listening, actually not talking and being in the presence of God, right? Because there's times to petition. That means we are verbal prayers. And then there's times to wait on Jesus and just simply listen. But your absolute strongest and best method of defense is what? To abide in Jesus, to be in the presence of God, stay hidden in the secret place. You know, Psalm 91, this is actually uh, one of my favorite pieces of art in our house. And it has a portion of Psalm 91. It's one of my favorite portions of scripture. It's such a beautiful picture that God comes alongside us, not only rescues us, but he knew us from our original place of formation. He knew us in substance form. He knit us with plans and purposes with the intention of the heart of the father. And it's in that place that he guards us. He protects us, that we abide in who he is. And he is our covering. He is our defense. When you meditate on the word of God and the promise of God, it keeps your heart protected. It keeps your heart encapsulated with the truth of the word and with the truth of who Jesus is. You know, when you and I stay hidden in God, we, I believe, become immune to the enemy retribution, the attacks that may happen around you. Hey, but they cannot harm you when you are abiding in Jesus. I'd say another principle of how do you guard yourself against demonic backlash. And I first want to preface it with this. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. If the enemy is seeking whom he can devour, you must seek to be undevourable. Oof, and part so of that good. is these principles that we're sharing with you. And so I will give you another principle in guarding yourself against the demonic backlash because whenever you have a breakthrough, the enemy's going to try to bring backlash, is that you need to develop tough skin and a tender heart. Tough skin and a tender heart. Think about Jesus. Jesus had Pharisees trying to trap him. He had the expectations of the crowd trying to manipulate him. He had, at times, the, the good-hearted ignorance of his disciples trying to one-up each other. And in the midst of all of that and devils he cast out and a mission and then the burden of this assignment on him. So he had to maintain a tender heart before the father, but tough skin. 
Remember, Jesus was even brought in the wilderness, and as he was brought in the wilderness, the enemy came at him and offered him things like, hey, I'll give you the, the kingdoms of this world. Hey, bow down right now and, and turn this stone into bread. So in the midst of it, he had to develop tough skin, but a tender heart. Most people do the opposite. They get uh, a tough heart and tender skin. They're always offended, and yet their hearts are hardened towards the Lord. When you're in the Word, you got to stay grounded in truth, you guys. You got to stay grounded in who you are, knowing who you serve. You got to stick with God's Word. And, and that means sometimes that you got to know that you know that you know what God's Word says, that you stand on it no matter what. You don't yield, not even for a moment, and develop a tougher skin that you determine with resolve. No devil, you're not going to have the final say. You're not going to finish the rest of my story. I will fight for my family. I will fight for my integrity. I will fight for my purity. I'm not giving it up. I'm not going the way of the world. I will not be another spiritual casualty because I know that Jesus died that I could have the more. You know, the third and final Keep It 100 takeaway for this segment, and I think it's so key, is responding to the spiritual attacks in our life with the opposite spirit. So let me just say it really concisely. Respond to your attack in the opposite spirit. See, we have to understand that the enemy wants to bait you, and he wants to bait you in the area of division, offense, unforgiveness, hate, whatever it may be. And he comes in with a demonic spirit, and he wants to bait you to act and respond and retaliate just like he's doing. But when we come in in the opposite opposite spirit. See, we refuse to be offended. So we're not going to talk bad about someone. We refuse to be jealous. So we're not going to be petty. We're not going to, um, you know, cast shade on anyone. We're watching what we carry, how we live our life. We're watching what we say. We're watching what comes out of our mouth and the actions in which we live by. We have to understand that we are called to live in any situation to always maintain righteousness and holiness. Nowhere is this more important than when you're fighting a spiritual battle. When the enemy comes against you, the enemy enemy is always going to be coming, like I just said, this evil demonic spirit. And so he wants you to take the bait of what he's bringing, but you can actually stay immune to his attacks by staying hidden in Jesus and by obeying the Lord at all times. What does obedience look like? It looks like walking in the fruit of the spirit. It looks like walking in peace, joy, righteousness, hope. You know, it looks like meditating on those things. You know, it talks about, um, Philippians four, three, I believe it's truth, righteousness, um, Uh, what's admirable, what's noble, what's pure, what's praiseworthy, what's lovely, what's excellent. That's what you meditate on, right? And so I used to use an acronym and I spelled it T-R-A-N-P-P-L-E. So it's not spelled correctly, right? But it's trample. And I would say that's how I trample the enemy is when I do what Philippians 4.13 says. I meditate on these things. I don't get caught up in the strategy of the enemy. I don't get caught up in the ways of whether the enemy's trying to bait me. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to focus on the negative. I refuse uh, let my heart meditate on things that are not righteous, that are not holy, but rather I meditate on who my Christ is. I meditate on who my Savior is. I meditate on what the Word of God says. And when I do that and I do not budge from holiness, right? That means the enemy doesn't have access. That means the enemy can't take me out. That means I am positioning myself in the place of protection. And when we stay in the righteous spirit, whenever the enemy tries to get us to cross over into sin, whatever the enemy wants to do, guess what? We do the opposite because we're doing what God wants us to do. When you stay in an opposite spirit and you refuse to take the bait, you exercise Philippians 4.13 and you know who you are in Jesus. Friends, that's how you fight spiritual battles. This episode, I believe, is so key 
because there's so many people that are fighting different battles. And we just want to encourage you with some just principles that we've acquired over the years. It's kind of that classic Liam Nelson line and taken over the years, I've acquired a unique skill set. I think that we've had to fight. And so we know what it's like and victory is yours. So remember, you're not fighting unto victory. You're fighting from victory. You already have victory, but you have to fight to maintain it because the enemy is always trying to make you fumble your blessing, fumble your authority. And in the same way that a defensive back is trying to hit a running back to make fumble the ball so they don't score the goal, but we have the goal. So remember that. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. You do not want to miss our next episode. We have so much more that we want to share with you. We will continue this discussion. We're going to talk about how to break cycles. We also have a special guest who has authored a book on spiritual warfare. I'm not even going to tell you yet. You get too fired up about it. It's going to give us some real talk on waging successful warfare. You do not want to miss it. And just remember, spend some extra time just taking authority and taking inventory of who your God is and who you are. And we're going to continually build on that. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep